Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 341. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 341. This week, we welcome a new podcast sponsor, Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. As you heard last week, I recently traveled to Washington, D.C., to preview the venue where the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit will be held on Friday, June 29th at the Marriott Wardman Park in the nation's capital. Many of you have already registered for the one-day conference at the special rate for Slow Flowers members. To motivate more of you to sign up and attend, I have a special announcement. Beginning today, Wednesday, March 21st, which happens to be the spring equinox, and through April 20th, which is Earth Day, Everyone who registers for the Slow Flowers Summit will be included in a drawing for a Slow Flowers luxury package, which includes a one-year premium membership and one night's complimentary lodging at the Marriott Wardman Park during the summit. The value of this prize package is $400, more than double the $195 registration cost to Slow Flowers members who attend the summit. If you've already reserved and paid for your ticket to the summit, don't worry because just to be fair, your name will also be included in the Earth Day drawing. I'll announce the winner of the Slow Flowers Luxury Package on Wednesday, April 25th. Plus, as a thank you to everyone who makes an early commitment to attend the summit, you'll receive a special Slow Flowers gift that includes 100 American Flowers Week bouquet labels to adorn your flowers during American Flowers Week and a beautiful American Flowers Week poster featuring the red, white, and blue botanical art of Ellen Hoverkamp, perfect for your shop or studio wall. Check out her artwork and find all the details about the Slow Flowers Summit at today's podcast show notes. And good luck, you might be our one fortunate winner. Okay, time to meet today's guest, farmer florist Patty Kramer Dole of Little Big Farm, a small family farm in Blairstown, situated in the foothills of northern Warren County, New Jersey. Little Big Farm's primary farming activity is to grow the most beautiful blooms possible without the use of pesticides or herbicides and to serve customers seeking organically grown, locally sourced fresh cut flowers for weddings, parties, and design activities. 
While Patty has owned Little Big Farm since 2006, she has been working in horticulture since the mid-90s when she formed a partnership in a floral landscape design company. In 1997, Patty took a position at the New York Botanical Garden as the coordinator for the Ruth Ray Howell Family Garden, where she was responsible for programs that instructed inner-city children and residents how to propagate flowers and vegetables. In 2002, Patty pursued her longtime interest in farming by taking a position at the Good Hand Farm in Andover, New Jersey. There, Patty was responsible for assisting in the propagation of certified organic vegetables and managing the farm's participation in the Union Square, New York, and Milburn, New Jersey Farmers Market. 2003, Patty joined the Walnut Grove Farm to assist the well-established operations production of organically grown vegetables and Christmas trees. Patty is a member of Slow Flowers, the Northeast Organic Farming Association, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, the Food Shed Alliance, and Local Harvest. I so enjoyed our recent conversation, and I look forward to sharing it today with you. And please visit DeborahPrinzing.com to see photos and a video shared by Patty and to follow links to all her social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted today to introduce Patty Dole of Little Big Farm. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. Do you say Little Big Farm or Little Big Farm? <laughs> Where's the <laughs> emphasis? Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like straight on, you know, Little Big Farm. It's funny, all these um, other shows and bands and things have popped up in the last several years. It's kind of interesting. With the name. Uh, but we yeah, with a name, but we just we just go Little Big Farm. Oh, that's Great. cool. <laughs> and tell everyone where you're based and um, how that name came to be. Oh, well, uh, we are in um, a very beautiful part of New Jersey, if people can believe that. Um, it's the Garden State, right? It's the Garden State, which was named the Garden State because uh, obviously we grow a lot of produce and stuff, but they used to get uh, an, a reliably an inch of rain every um every week. And so uh, we used to be able to grow a lot of things that's changed a little bit here, but we're still getting about 44 inches of rain, but what? Um, that's, that's <laughs> three inches more than Seattle's average. Wow. I know we get a really good amount of decent weather here. I mean, we've had our hot, dry seasons, but, um, overall, um, we're, we're pretty lucky. More, con- more um, consistent so, in terms yeah. of like, it's not, you're not, you're not just having rain in the spring only or something. It's more right, spread right. out. Yeah, I mean, we've had very dry seasons, but um, and very wet ones. But um, we're we're probably more consistent than most. Mm, but um, cool. but we're in this great part of New Jersey, uh, closest to the Pennsylvania border by the Delaware Water Gap. Mm-hmm. We're ten miles from there, and so it's very rural. Uh, one hour from New York City, though. Um, and uh, to tell you the truth, I did, I'm not from New Jersey myself. I'm from upstate New York, and so I was surprised to uh, find this part of New Jersey myself. Um, and so um, we were able to afford to buy some farmland here. How much land do you have? We have just under six acres. Okay. And so when did the farm happen and um, how did you like come up with the name? Because it's, it's, 
I, I think I know what it means, but it's a cute name. And your logo is adorable. So I'll share, I'll share that on the show notes too. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, the logo was made up by my husband. Uh, it's pretty simple. Um, it's always hard doing that in the very beginning. You need that right up front. And sometimes you feel like you want that to kind of grow organically. Um, but I really feel as though it really fits. The only um, problem is that we don't have a tractor, which... <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. Oh, but, uh, we, we, we should we, we should tell the <laughs> listeners what it what it looks like. So your husband is Kevin, right? Yeah, my okay. husband is Kevin, and he uh, created the logo with a sunflower with, with the wheels of the tractors are flowers, and uh, and so it's a uh, very it's, farmy. It's it's um, very graphic and like communicates farming and flowers so beautifully. And the t- farmer is a f- clearly like a woman silhouette. So you're absolutely. the f- you're the farmer, not him, right? Correct. Yeah, he he has his um, his day job, and he he helps me a lot, though obviously. Yeah. So when did you actually get? started and um, describe a little bit about, like, give us a snapshot of, of your kind of range of things that you grow and um, how that's been, how long that's been going on. Okay. Um, yeah. So we um, started farming, uh, we moved to this property 12 years ago um, and we've been farming for about 11 now. We're going into our 11th uh, season. Wow. And, um, so we've been doing it for a while. And, um, like I said, we have six acres. We have about two cultivated with one small hoop house. So, um, and we grow a very large variety of flowers. Um, and that's one of the things that Mm. I, I, growing is really my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, we do, we do design and we do weddings and other things. Um, but my passion really is being out in the field growing. Um, so, um, so yeah. that's, that's been, um, two, two acres is a lot. Do you have a help or are you is it kind of I seasonal? Do, um, we are seasonal. We grow our main season, you know, obviously is May through October. We definitely take the winters off. Um, if you can call it my, my season of being off is smaller and smaller every <laughs> year, um, with consultations in the winter yep. and of course ordering and, uh, planning and all that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and we already have seeds out and plants out in the hoop house now already. Um, so it, it's getting smaller, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We're, we're interviewing, we're doing this interview on March 1st. So I'm picturing that in parts of New Jersey, there might still be snow on the ground, but it, but I know my son, my son goes to college in Philadelphia and I know there was one day last week where it hit 70. So it, it how yes. crazy is that? Mm, yes. Yes. This is absolutely the earliest I've had things out in February out in the hoop house. Um, and, uh, we had 60 degrees several times this week already mm-hmm. here. So mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little strange. Mm-hmm. And that happened last February too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what's going on there, but, um, but well, you're ready to take advantage of it because you've already bought all your seeds and kind of planned what, what you had to have to start as soon as it yeah. warms up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you have started already? Um, I mean, when you say two acres and you only have one hoop house, I'm getting the idea that a lot of, a lot of field crops and a lot right. of annuals, right? A lot of annuals. We do have a lot of perennials too. I'm I'm really, really loving perennials lately. Um, but we we grow um, some woody plants like hydrangea, um, and then we also have a bunch of perennials, lots of like yarrow, sedum. Um, mm. We have hellebores. Um, you know, um, so, all those juicy bits that people really want now—the florists especially, mm. right? Right, right. And I love them because they come back. I love um, like a uh, lady's mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
things like that, that and those, those you can cut and they get a second flush on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and of course they're lower maintenance, but they do take up space and that's the advantage of having the six acres. And then I kind of have every year, I just kind of add a little bit more. Yeah. That's a good idea because then you can invest in perennials at your own pace because they are obviously more expensive, but it, it kind of offsets the labor intensive annual uh, right. growing, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. So, um, what, how did you get into farming? I mean, you've said you've been doing this for 11 years. Were you always flower farming or had you started with edible crops? Um, actually, so my, uh, been in, um, horticulture or gardening of some sort for a long, long time now. Um, over 20 years, um, where I used to work, uh, I used to have a landscape floral landscape design business back in Bergen County, New Mm. Jersey, where with my Mm sister-in-law and, um, she's still doing that. It's, it's her business. And and I uh, partnered with her for a few years and we did, uh, we did, we did, uh, you know, perennial annual gardens in Bergen County for clients. And then I started, I worked at the New York Botanical Garden for several uh, years. One of my favorite places. What did you, were yeah. you on the, on the landscape staff there or? Actually I wasn't, I was really lucky because I worked with the, um, education department running the children's garden. And when I was there, what was great was that they gave me all this leeway. So I got to run this, uh, two, almost a two acre garden and nobody really, um, uh, you know, I got to do <laughs> my own thing. I got yeah. to do my own thing. And it was really awesome because, um, I, and that's where I really got my passion for uh, farming because I was teaching the community, a lot of children, gardening programs and farming. And I thought this is great. If I could do this for a living, this would be great. Wow. And, uh, that's where the bug bit me to actually turn from landscaping, a uh, gardening more towards a farming, um, idea. And then, uh, and then I went into a little bit of vegetable farming for a while with some other farmers and ended up here where I am now. But I'm thinking back to about 2005 when you ish somewhere around there, when you started Mm -hmm. growing flowers, you were definitely an early adopter. Like you were ahead of the, you know, ahead of Amy Stewart's book, ahead of slow flowers. Like you were, you were kind of defining a category that that uh now is super popular but at the time were you kind of the anomaly at the farmer's market or or did you even sell at farmer's markets I did that's how we started um when we moved to this town um there was no market and I helped get the market uh, a flower a farmer's market started because I started having all these flowers and I really didn't have I did it backwards I, I read Lynn Bazinski's book but I did it backwards right as the money farmers do I mean you have to learn how to grow this stuff too first right so right. you um, mean before knowing there's a market yeah I was oh. like well I started putting it out you know at my own little farm stand and then kind of driving around to the local design and the farm florists that I bought flowers to, they didn't know what to do with me even Mm. at that point. They Mm -hmm. were so surprised to see I had my two little kids with me and the car and, you know, and then, but, um, but it just grew from there. And so, yeah, it, um, we really, um, were ahead of, um, of the wave, I guess, but, um, yeah, yeah. but it's been great. It's been amazing, uh, watching, you know, it changed, um, so much over the last couple of years. So, uh, oh, absolutely. And I mean, to, to be so well positioned, uh, I know, I know it's not easy to take flowers into New York city, but I'm sure you get requests. I mean, do you feel like that's, 
do you even need to pursue that opportunity or do you have enough demand in I would definitely area. pursue I would definitely pursue that opportunity. I've been a little bit reserved about doing that because I am um I do a lot of things myself like many flower farmers. Um but we're looking to grow that more and more because I'm really excited to work more with designers. Um we have several that we work with already. I just love the excitement. They they appreciate the flowers like nobody else. Um and the different flowers that we grow and and the freshness and the quality. Of course, we're 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 growing everything sustainably too and it's local and um I think they really appreciate that. And brides love their beautiful flowers too, but they don't but the designers, they just really they right. just are are so hungry for it, you know. Right. So. Right. So now right now the pie, how do you slice up the pie with your your various markets that you're supplying? Like between the Um, different uh, ways that you sell your flowers. Right. I would say weddings are a very, very large part of it, probably like 75%. And then um, we have a CSA that we supply as well. And um, then we have our designers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say it's split. Probably the last 25% is probably split, you know, Mm 50-50. So like, you know, between the the CSA and the designers. Mm -hmm. So it's really growing. Um, it's, It's been... It's been growing, but we'd like to grow it more. Well, so you you did the farmers market thing early on, and and how for what you got the actually got the market started. So you probably feel loyal to it. But there are are there are there other people selling flowers there now, and it kind of free, no. frees you up. Yeah, no, nobody. Um, there's actually been some people who've come around, but n- nobody is just a flower farmer. It's more mm-hmm. farmers who are who also have vegetable farmers who also have flowers. Right. So, um, there, um, but we are, um, you know, we did that for six years and then we did transition away from farmer's markets and to doing just the weddings and, uh, we've done grocery stores, uh, and then CSA mm-hmm. and then of course designers as well. Mm-hmm. And even a little wholesale last year as well. So do you feel like the background that you had working in landscape design and garden design sort of had you, you know, already oriented with a design eye. And so taking on weddings was not as daunting as it is for some farmers, or I I don't want to assume that all farmers are daunted by it, but I know that people are, it seems like people are seeing that as a, as a, maybe one of the best value adds for their flowers. And so they are interested in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it definitely did help. One way it really helped was dealing with clients, you mm-hmm. know, um, learning how to, you know, just speaking with clients um, and how to handle all the questions and all the communication and expectation management, you know. So <laughs> getting that, a proposal that, written. <laughs> yeah. So all that was definitely very, very helpful. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I would, I would think that. And then, um, then of course, you know, having, you know, design experience a little bit, but if you asked me if I was going to be doing weddings when I first doing started flower farming, I would have said adamantly, no way. I was not really interested in that. Um, because I, again, I'm, I'm more of a grower, but, um, but it definitely organically grew. Uh, you stand at that farmer's market making hundreds and hundreds of bouquets all every week for years on end. And eventually people start asking you and you get more and more comfortable with it. And, um, um, and so we just just dipped our toe in and started going from there. And uh, I really like it, actually. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. Um, but it, it's it's definitely, I think, um, for how much work we do, I think uh, it's the best return for our for our work. Absolutely. 
What is the setup for weddings? Like, are you doing personals only and the couples come pick up the flowers or are you going all the way up to like decorating the venue and for the ceremony or the reception? Like, what is the range of of wedding work that you would do? We do it all. Um, We've done do-it-yourself. You know, we do the a la carte and we do full service. Mm. Um, Wow, Patty, that's amazing. You must have mm -hmm. help for the weddings. I have one girl who works with me, um, and um, she's coming back again this year. <laughs> she's uh, definitely my great assistant. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And yeah. um, we do a lot of bulk weddings. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of a la carte. I'm getting a lot this year, it seems, that this, this so far this year is a lot of uh, a la carte weddings. But we definitely do full service as well. Mm-hmm. Um so, so what does that mean? A la carte is like that you have a price list and people kind of pick the number of bouquets, the number of boutonnieres, that sort of thing. And that you, you just, a la, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. A la, a la carte for, uh, a la carte for, um, for us means more like, um, we are doing most of the personal flowers and then they are doing their arrange their centerpieces. So it's sort of a mix of mm-hmm. do it yourself. They kind of pick what they want uh, off the menu, and usually they pick to do the um, table centerpieces themselves mm-hmm. and um, buy bulk flowers from us, and right. then we make the personal flowers. Right, right, um, right. So well, we're doing a lot of those, it seems, this year. I'd love to share photos of a few of your um, arrangements and, and centerpieces and or bouquets because uh, it'll show what flowers you're growing, too, because you're only sourcing from your farm, Right. Right. Mostly. Yeah. I mean, we definitely do buy in some things that we need to like roses and, um, I'm not, um, some of the things I'm not very good at growing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, definitely we do source in, but, um, we try and really try and use what we're growing. Yeah. That makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. And that's your brand too. Right. And so now that you're stepping up selling to florists, has there been any kind of tension about them thinking that they're competing with you because you're also in the wedding business? Or do you just have a kind of separate silo businesses and they're not really even aware or not concerned about the fact that brides are going direct to you as well? No, I I haven't had that at all. Actually, now that you mention it, that's interesting. I haven't even, no, I haven't had that. Um, But um, the only conflict that we have sometimes is that a lot of the things we're growing, um, that we want to use ourselves. So it's always a little hard mm. to, to balance, mm-hmm. um, what we want to keep for ourselves. And when we have extra, um, to sell it. And so, um, I do have designers who are really flexible and really willing to take, cause they just like our product, um, kind of whatever we have. Um, and, and I'm trying to get always more organized in getting that information to them ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, availability ahead of time. So they know what we have. That's always a game and catch up you know, trying to catch up. Right, right. And you said you were going to try to step that up this year. Do you have sort of a a different method? You're going to send out an availability list or something? Yeah, that's my plan this year is that I'm going to be sending out an availability list, you know, the week ahead with the amounts that are going to be available so that they'll know. Because in the past, it's been like, I've only been working with a handful and we've been working on mainly phone calls, Mm. you know, and Mm -hmm. emails back and forth. And this is going to be more of a, you know, and I think that's the approach a lot of people take, you know, yeah. in general. So, yeah. And then do you deliver or do the, do the designers come pick up from the farm? Most of my designers right now just come right 
to us and pick up. And they like that too, because then they can walk out in the fields and see what we have. And a lot of times I have some, I have one designer who come out and just look at what I have and design her wedding around what we have, wow. you know, and, and just say, and that's one great thing too, about working with local designers is that, you know, if they can make it out to the farm, even just, uh, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever, once a month, or even, you know, just to see what we have so they can kind of start to think ahead of what, what they can use and how they can use it. Um, we were growing a lot of, uh, Caryopteris Bluebeard last year yeah, and uh-huh. we had a designer come in and just, just design her whole wedding around that. Wow. Uh, so. And so they're, and they're kind of more palette driven. So they might not know that something you're growing is also in blue or also in apricot. And so once it sounds like once they see it in, in your fields, then they, they see that that, that will fit their palette and they can incorporate it, even though they didn't know to ask for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause yeah. sometimes they, they, you know, they're not familiar with a certain flower, you know, necessarily they haven't worked with like hellebores. Some of them haven't worked with those before, you know, um, to know, um, how tall they are and that kind of thing. Right. You know? And that's like a premium, you know, Tiffany diamond almost to have a hellebore. Right. 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 <laughs> um, and those aren't ready. Those are, what are they? They come on like in April or something. They're coming on in March. I think they're going to be here early this year for sure. We had some peeking out um, already, so they're going to they're end middle of March, end of March for us. Wow! Yeah. So it sounds like coming to the farm is something that uh, they love, and I bet you that's how, is that how your CSA customers come as well, or how do you get mm-hmm. those bouquets delivered? Yeah, that CSA, we have a, a pickup on Friday evenings between 4 and 8, mm. and the customers come and um, and pick up either a bucket or a bouquet of flowers. Mm. Um, and um, we did offer delivery last year for the first time. My son just started driving, <laughs> so <laughs> this summer he's going to be the delivery guy, so we'll see how that goes. You're like, okay, um, fine, you can drive, but you have to drive for me. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so it's, that's great too. They really love visiting the farm. They bring their kids and, uh, um, and they love to talk about, um, what's in the buckets, what's, and they always have lots of gardening questions. Right. So, so you don't, I usually, you don't find yeah, that I'm, taxing. You're okay with that. Oh, it's taxing. <laughs> it can be a little hard. Like I, I usually do have somebody help me in the barn during that night, during the pickups, because, uh, it can be a little hectic, but, um, I find that, um, they really want to talk to me. They want to, you know, yep. they want to talk to the gardener, yep. you know, not, you know, um, they want to talk question. They have questions about not just the flowers, but gardening questions a lot of right. times. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Well, it, it, I think it's, uh, while it is taxing and exhausting, I think it is br- brilliant that you are able to kind of provide that extra level of quote unquote customer service in that you're kind of you know, and the customers know you're knowledgeable and they have even more investment in your flowers then because right. they And can, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot too. It's, it's a lot of fun to get to know your customers like that. It's a real, when we pulled out of the farmer's market, um, I felt like I really like to keep mm. I'm kn- knowing what's going on in the community mm-hmm. um, is really important to me. So um, I, I really enjoy meeting with people. Well, I think also... The CSA pickup on a Friday late afternoon, early evening is, I don't know if other people do that or not, because as I know everybody, there's there's a model for every day of the week probably, but by the by then, you've sold everything for your own weddings and to your 
floral designers. So you, it's a way to move excess product too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and a lot of times I'm in there on Friday night working on a wedding, you know, um, when they come, because, uh. and that's one of the reasons why I did that. You know, I'm still sometimes, you know, getting things organized and together, which is why I usually have help with me to make sure the buckets are lined up for people. And if I can't get over, you know, to help them load or whatever, but, um, yeah. So, and then the extras, you know, and they get great flowers from us. Um, they're not just like the leftovers, but right. they are the stuff that we couldn't use maybe in a wedding or for the designers. So, um, yeah, so they, they, um, it's a great, it's a great way to move that product. They're probably getting more than what they're paying for just because you're probably making decisions like, well, this isn't going to be good next week, uh, but it's beautiful now. Right. I'll give an extra bunch or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. We definitely pack those buckets and um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little hard sometimes. (laughs) You don't want to overpack them, (laughs) but, uh, but they, they, uh, I enjoy. And then when they come and they get to see us working on weddings too. Yeah. It's um, like advertising almost, right? It's, It's good. Yeah. They get to see the other flowers and the design work and, you know, what they're always asking what we're making and, you know, so that's fun for them. So, so how do you charge for the CSA? Um, my pricing structure or what do you mean? So like yeah. what they, they usually buy, um, they usually buy a week. So we have like a four week, um, an eight week or a 16 week subscription. And, um, I mean, we're always trying to tweak that, but that seems to work for us right mm-hmm. now. So you can buy four week, of a bucket or a little bucket, a big bucket or a bouquet mm. and, or you can buy an eight week subscription or, and then the price gets better if you buy more. You know, yeah. 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 So that's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, and you don't have minimums for your weddings probably, do you? I do not at this point. You mm-hmm. know, I still really, um, enjoy doing the smaller weddings. Um, the easier, they're a lot less stress usually. I don't mind doing a, I have a wedding this summer in a campground, (laughs) but they're kind of fun. Like usually, and doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're a lot, you know, um, a lot cheaper than some of the weddings that we do in the nicer venues. Um, the cost is a lot, you know, cheaper sometimes too. Yeah. So, um, in other words, it's not like they're, uh, trying to necessarily save money. It's just, they want your flowers. Is that what right. you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Do, what do you think um, is happening with the kind of just general sentiment about local flowers? Um, just having had 11 years of doing this, uh, I would imagine that everybody who buys flowers from you, it's like, it's, it's so obvious that it is local. It is New Jersey grown. It's in your county uh, because they're buying from you personally. So do you have to do labeling or have you dabbled with that? Maybe at the grocery level when you used to sell grocery, you did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did groceries and we, we always label with our, we have a sticker. Mm -hmm. Um, but when they go out, um, CSA or anything, I'm not labeling anything. Um, but, um, I, I've seen, you know, well, Thanks to you, there's been a lot of, you know, more, you know, um, information out there, more, you know, people are more notoriety, people are, the local movement's really mm-hmm. growing, mm-hmm. Um, thanks to you and a lot of, you know, other people that Absolutely. are working that. And I have seen it grown a lot, and I'm just amazed at the young, you know, I'm getting a little older now, and the young people, I mean, they are just so, like, willing to get out there and try new things, and just, they just Google it, and they just, they're just like 
um, you know, at your, they're, they're totally interested in local. Mm -hmm. They, um, I would, um, say that it has grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been great to, to watch that happen. But it also sounds like that's when you're dealing with customers directly, but it also sounds like the, the designers are acknowledging and embracing that this is a different type of, of flower. Um, and they, maybe they want it for themselves or maybe their clients are asking for it. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think it, it is. Um, I would like to see more of that, of the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times, um, while, um, people do love local, I, I would like to see more, um, you know, of the sustainable growing yeah. methods more promoted in, in, you know, and that's one of the great, you know, things about having people come out to the farm and talk to me is that I can kind of promote that more, um, even with the designers, <laughs> whether it's CSA customers, you know, to say, Hey, look, you know, we can do this right that here is, in New Jersey. That's so we cool. Used to, yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, it all started, you know, a lot of it started in, in America and have it come back. Well, to they're America. seeing, and they're seeing, uh, maybe bags of organic fertilizer rather than buckets of chemicals when they come come to the farm. It's in a way, it's sort of subver- subversive or subconscious uh, way to educate them too, right? Right, right, absolutely, yeah. That's amazing. I'm so glad to hear about that. And I, I, I guess the one final question I wanted to ask you because I'm I'm dying to visit your farm now. I can just picture. Well, will, will you share some photos so we can? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just already thinking. All right. If I come see my son in Philly, I need to just rent a car and come invite myself out. But of course, <laughs> he's usually in you know college. The college season is when you're not growing pretty much. But anyway, I'll fantasize yeah. about that. But. Um, <laughs> Have you been asked to teach workshops or host tours or is that facet of, of outreach something that you're considering or tell me, tell me, I know you people come and buy their flowers from you, but is, are there other events or workshops that you're, you're considering? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, um, we has been pressing us to do workshops. <laughs> um, and I, I love the idea of doing workshops. Um, and I've done a couple and we've done fundraisers as well. We've done tours, we've done, done, you know, um, you know, with organizations that come through for the day, kind of, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. events. Um, mm-hmm. and I love the idea. It's always a matter of balancing, um, how much time I have. Um, and, right. um, so, um, so that's kind of on our, radar, especially this year, um, because we've, we've planned them out in the past and we've done a couple, but we haven't been very consistent on it. But I have this, I have a couple customers that are really pushing me this year to, uh, to do that. They just want to learn a lot about just basic gardening things, mm, um, too, mm. as well. I bet um, you could teach a cutting garden, uh, how to plant your own cutting garden and yeah, uh, people mm-hmm. would love that. Yeah. And so I'm a member of our local garden club here and, and we've been talking about, you know, doing something, um, and, uh, as well as doing some other, I'm already involved in a couple of fundraisers where people come out to the farm and mm. cut a bucket of flowers oh. and have a glass of wine and that kind of thing. Wow. So those are well, fun. Well, you're embedded in your community and you're, you're, uh, you know, be as the face of the flowers in your community. I, I love, I love hearing all those ways that you're helping just sort of change people's perceptions about farm grown flowers. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to hear and it's, it's an inspiration. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that we connected and that you said you'd be willing to get on the podcast and talk. I, I, I have had a little, um, 
I've been guilty of that, like New Jersey, local flowers, <laughs> know, you know, I and know. so yeah. I, I'm ashamed of that. <laughs> so. I know. It's a, it's a, um, it's, it is a very interesting part of New Jersey. It's very rural, uh, here still. And, mm -hmm. um, and it, we live on an old dairy farm and it's, there's a lot of old dairy farms, uh, still around, um, some of them still active. And, uh, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's, it's very interesting. Uh, part yeah. Of La last year I featured, um, the sisters, Dawn and Mary who have, um, a, a garden party and do you know them? They're in, they're in New Jersey also. I heard that podcast. Yeah. I remember hearing that. Yeah. They're down South. Yeah. Yes. But they're on a, they're using an old dairy farm that was their grandfather's for their workshops and also I'll have to maybe I don't know look at the map and see how far you are from each other but I'm happy for the education Patty I I'm <laughs> really I spent a couple days uh this week talking about the transition that people are making from horticulture to floriculture uh with another group of people and you're you're really uh, clearly you're on that path and you've already done it, but it's nice to see you reaching back and pulling gardening information into what you're doing, just especially to connect con your consumers and your customers with that, just that magic of, of how things grow. And, you know, right. it, it just creates a, like a sense of, of connection to nature and to the earth. So I, I think any time you can do that, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it really connects back to the marketplace, too. I think that they are living things, you know, that we're working with. So um, for us, you know, our passion is growing things. And, um, you know, to connect that back to the marketplace is great for us. Mm, I love it. OK, so you're going to send me some photos I can share with our listeners. And um, I'll make sure I add where people can find you on social media. And I hope we get to meet in person uh, sometime yeah. in 2018. All right. That sounds great. Thanks, Patty. Take care. Bye bye. for joining me today. Don't forget to check out all the details about our Slow Flowers luxury package and make sure you're among the eligible entries who register for the Slow Flowers Summit by April 20th, Earth Day. You can find all the details at today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com or click on over to slowflowerssummit.com where we'll also have that information. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 295,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American Grown Flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They include Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown Program and Label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. 
Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and to join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music.